0: Over the past few weeks, we have been talking about a new or renewed mission statement and new values uh, for our church. Our mission statement being that we exist as a church to invite all people to know Christ, grow in Christ, and go with Christ by living lives marked by faith, hope, and love. And underneath that faith, hope, and love, we've placed our values, uh, practices of faith, practices of hope, and practices of love that don't just build us up in our faith, but help us to build others up in the faith as well, and to engage in our mission of knowing Christ, growing in Christ, and making Christ known, going going with Christ into the world to to love and serve the Lord and love and serve our neighbors as ourselves. The value that we've started with is prayer, the sort of base value, the value that informs really all the other Values And last week we talked all about the Lord's Prayer and how we can use it to build up habits of prayer in our life. So if you want to learn more about that prayer, you can go back to last week. But something often gets missed, I think, when we speak about prayer. And that is, prayer is often a wrestling match. Prayer is often really hard work for us to do. And it's through our wrestling that God actually uses uh, uses this act of prayer and, and really the act of submission within prayer to bless us. But how often do we see the difficulty in prayer and wrestling with God as a road to blessing? Not very often, but that's exactly what it is. So today we are taking a look at a story of wrestling prayer. Probably the most famous example of wrestling prayer in all of scripture, Jacob wrestling God in Genesis chapter 32. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up there, Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 to 31. And through this story, we're going to be challenged to wrestle with God ourselves. But before we get into the story proper, we need to know some of the background information. In Israel's history, there were patriarchs, who were sort of the heroes of the faith who are looked to as role models for the israelite people and whose lives showed how god had chosen god's people to be a blessing in and for the world so you have uh, abraham who receives um who who has the abrahamic covenant with god and abraham has a son isaac and then isaac had two sons esau and jacob esau was the patriarch proper. He was the firstborn of the the twins, and Jacob came directly after. But Jacob is the one the Bible focuses on. If you read through again and again, Jacob is the one mentioned, and Esau is just about ignored. So we have to ask, why is that? What's going on there? And it's because Jacob is a bit of a trickster. He's a usurper. That's what his name means, Jacob. Usurper. So we see when he's born in Genesis 25, all the way through the, the early portion of his life in Genesis 27, we see Jacob attempting to usurp his brother Esau. He talks Esau into giving Jacob his birthright, um, sort of tricks him and trades his birthright for a, for a hot meal, it's really, uh, it's, it's really quite devious. But then even worse, in Genesis chapter 27, Jacob deceives his father Isaac into thinking that he was Esau to be able to get Esau's inheritance. And so he received a double inheritance when I, when when, uh, when his father passed away. And as you can imagine, Esau was furious and said, essentially, I am going to kill you. <laughs> As, as, as you do when that happens. So Jacob fled. He ran away. And so who is Jacob in the story, in the early portions of his life? Jacob is a deceiver. Jacob is a liar. Jacob is greedy, dishonest. He's a cheater. He's a schemer, etc., etc. This is who Jacob is. That's the image of the person that this name represents. And Jacob would go on to trick other people. He tricked a man named Jabin into uh, giving his daughter away in marriage. And and Jabin was a bit tricky too, so he actually tricked Jacob into marrying one of his other daughters first. And then and then Jacob tricked him into uh, giving him the, the daughter that he actually wanted to marry, and so he had he had two wives. And Laban said, Oh, you can't do that, and uh and and sent 400 men after them when Jacob and his wives fled. That's about the time when we are seeing the story that we're going to take a look at today. By this time in the story, he's fled Laban, his father-in-law. He was going to actually return to Esau after a number of decades to try to reconcile their relationship. But remember, Esau said, I am going to kill you, so he didn't know how it, how it was going to turn out. In front of him was his brother who wanted to kill him. Behind him were 400 soldiers who wanted to kill him as well. He is between like the definition of a rock and a hard place. No matter where he goes, there is danger. So keep this in mind when we look at this passage because it's actually really important. going to go through the passage slowly. I'm going to read some verses and make some notes, read some verses, make some notes. And so um, we'll be a bit stop and go in that sense in our reading, but I think you'll be able to pick out some of the tension of that background story in the verses as we go through. So Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 through 31. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. There are a couple of details to note just in these first few sentences. First off, just a reminder, why is Jacob on this journey with his wives and servants? He is going to try to reconcile with Esau. So he's bringing all these possessions with him and all these people to actually uh, create sort of a peace offering with with Esau, um, which, which we find out in the next chapters. But that's what's going on. But details just from this. Uh, number one, this happens in the night. <clears throat> this is something you f- see throughout Scripture, that oftentimes the nighttime is when people have the most profound uh, interactions with God. And I wonder if it's because that in a busy world... The nighttime is when the world is so quiet that you are able to hear much more clearly the still small voice of God Like there is something about the night that is different than the day and you can sense it if you if you stay up late that there is like that there's a a quiet that descends on the earth and I wonder if that is why in scripture this type of wrestling that we're going to that, we're, that we'll be reading about. Uh, Nearly always happens at night. Detail number two, this passage makes pretty clear that Jacob was alone. He was alone. And number three, a location. It all happens on the banks of a large river called the Jabbok River. So verse 24, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled him until daybreak. So from verse 22 to verse 24, we have two introductions to this story. Two times we're told he was alone, Jacob was alone. So the first is really setting up the details of the journey, clarifying why he is alone and that he is alone. And then the second, this verse 24, clarifies again that he's alone and then describes what the actual story that we're about to read is about what's it about it's a man wrestling him until daybreak and it doesn't get into the details of the encounter but it sets the stage up for those details and these details uh, are all meant to catch your attention but there's something else happening in hebrew that we don't get in english and that there, there is a there's a really interesting wordplay a really funny wordplay actually between the words jacob jacob and the word for wrestling which are all extremely close in pronunciation. And so if you want if you were to create an English comparable it would be something like Josh was joshing at the Josh River. That's this is this is sort of how the entire scene is being described in these couple of verses. And when that type of wordplay happens it sort of peaks your Attention and interest, and that type of wordplay is really indicating that something significant is about to happen. So you should start to pay attention. We don't get that in English, but in the Hebrew, it's there. And so, we'll listen to the 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 uh, the markers in the Hebrew, and then and be on the lookout for the thing that's happening next. So, verse twenty-five. When the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he saw he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that the hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And so right at the end we find out Oh, this man isn't just a man. This is God struggling with Jacob. And really interestingly, the text says that that the man could not overpower Jacob, which I, I, I think that's actually not the best way of translating it. I think prevailing against that in this wrestling match, Jacob would not stop. He would not stop. He saw this as an infinite game, a game that should never, ever end, well, unless he was the one who won it. And so Jacob would persevere no matter what. And so what does God do? What does this man do? He, it says he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. You could also think of this as he punched Jacob in the hip and dislocated it, which you can imagine might hurt a little bit. And then immediately says, hey, a Daybreak's coming. Let me go. Which, which seems a bit of an odd statement, doesn't it? Why his concern for daybreak? I think it is this. A new day means that Jacob needs to start traveling. That it actually has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with Jacob. God knows that Jacob is in, is in between a rock and a hard place within his life. And he actually has to go towards either that rock or that hard place when daybreak happens. And so at that moment, the rock and the hard place are beginning to come in and push in and crush Jacob. Hey, it's daybreak. Let me go is another way of saying you need to go on your way now. There's a new day here. You need to go on your way. And Jacob's response is really interesting. He asks for a blessing. Because you know, it, no matter what, whether he goes to the rock or the hard place, if he has a blessing, he knows things will be okay. But Jacob doesn't just get a blessing. God does the text does say that God blesses him. But there's this conversation that happens between them after uh, Jacob has been given this handicap within the with with the with his dislocated hip the first well I think I think that's actually a multi blessing I think that I think there are multiple things happening here that I think you could consider a blessing and the first is a question what is your name God asks what is your name and for one of the only times within the the narrative of Jacob's life. Jacob names himself. He says, I, "My name is Jacob. I'm Jacob. I am the surplanter. This I am. I am all of these things that people say of me." His name is a reminder of all the deception that has happened in his life, and I think this first blessing that God gives is the ability to see himself for who he is and give an honest assessment of himself, and it sets the stage. For the next things that god is going to do in his life but sometimes uh, we can we think blessings are going to happen that are just going to be immediate and miraculously change your lives we don't realize that sometimes god gives us smaller blessings that build upon one another bit by bit piece by piece over long periods of time sometimes in this case it's going to be really quick uh, a a short succession of time But the implications of it actually get, that get, get worked out over the course of the rest of Jacob's life. So he gets his first blessing, which is a question that causes him to be honest with himself. What is your name? My name is Jacob. I'm the, he's saying, I'm the surplanter. I'm the usurper. I'm the trickster. But then God says, okay, that was your name, but not any longer. Now your name will be Israel. For you have struggled with God and humans and have overcome. Jacob's life has been marked by struggles with humans. This is where all of his deception is all about. It's just a struggle. And, but he's, he's not just struggled with humans. He struggled with God. And, and God says, and you've overcome. And this new name, Israel, means God strives it's a it's a name that instead of recognizing deception recognizes submission to god and by doing that the ble- every blessing that god gives after is actually a in reference to this name of israel of god striving that god's blessings not up to us to strive for but god's god strives to bless us according to who he is so this this isn't just a new name this is an invitation to a brand new history and into renewed relationship with god and others and so we see jacob maybe notices some of this some of what's going on and realizes what's happening and he changes his tone up to now it's been very very terse but in verse 29 he says please tell me your name so the man replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. And so Jacob named the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. The Lord wouldn't tell Israel his name, but he still gave Israel a blessing. And as Israel went on, to a renewed life, he did it with a limp. There are times, I think, that we can feel a lot like Jacob, when we feel like no matter which direction we go, it's going to be a bad direction. And we feel like the the pressure is mounting, that we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and no matter the decision that we make, it's going to be a bad decision, and we're going to be trapped by it. There's an army on the lookout for us, and there's in one direction and in the, in the other direction there are people who want us dead. We feel like we're just fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. But I think most of the time, our fights are actually flights. They're us running from an invitation to wrestle with God and submit ourselves to Him. It's at those moments, actually, That we're trying to live our lives on our own, without God's input, without God's direction. And what we really need to do is actually to stop running and to set up camp in the middle of the night and to do a wrestling match with God. Which is really about God wanting to wrestle us, not actually us wanting to wrestle God. You notice that Jacob doesn't set up his tent at that riverbed and say, "Okay, God, I'm going to start wrestling you now." The man came and wrestled with Jacob. God showed up and instigated the wrestling for Jacob's sake, and this is how wrestling with God often works. We don't go necessarily seeking it, but we're invited into it. We and we we respond to God's invitation to wrestle with him in the, the 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 in moments of our life when we're feeling pressed down or we feel like we need breakthrough. And every time God wrestles with us, it is for our good. And it's not to give us what we want. It is to give us a blessing. And we shouldn't confuse those two. We shouldn't confuse what we want with God's blessing because sometimes... What we want is actually not good for us, and God's blessing is to keep us as far away from it as possible. Actually, you know, just think about Jacob. If if he was if if you asked him, maybe you know what would be the greatest blessing in this moment, sitting on this riverbank, he might have said, "Well, the greatest blessing would be for you to kill off the army in front of me, and maybe kill off my brother." so that I have two problems gotten rid of, <laughs> right? But that's not at all what God does. Instead of causing the prob- all, of, all of Jacob's problems to go away, God says, I'm going to give you a new identity to live out of. You are no longer the deceptive uh, person that you once were. And I'm going to transform your relationships, rather than fix all of your problems, and I'm going to not just get rid of the hard spot totally but i'm going to make a way for you through it and this is what the lord does for us over and over again and i think this is what he wants to do with us even today we were told last week when we when we look through the lord's prayer we're told consistently again and again by jesus to be persistent in prayer to be persistent That no matter the difficulty that we are in, when we're in situations where we don't know the way out, God is inviting us into a wrestling match to refine us and transform us and to uh, make us more his own. To learn how to depend on him in a new way, just like Jacob was doing And we're invited to be so persistent in our prayers that the Lord has no option but to give us a limp to strike us in the hip just to try to make us stop. You will always leave wrestling matches with God with a limp. But the limp is a reminder, interestingly, of God's goodness to us because our blessing from God only comes when we lose the wrestling match, when we forfeit the match, when we are uh, constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and then get to the point where we can't help but just sort of collapse into the loving embrace of the one with whom we're wrestling with. That is when we receive the Lord's blessing. So whatever we're faced with in life, whatever situations that maybe you feel like are just pressing in on you, the witness of scripture in this passage is I think to wrestle to take up the invitation that's being given to you to stop running and instead to lean into asking God for the blessing that we know he wants to give us. And so this is our challenge this week, is to take up the invitation. Take up God's invitation to wrestle with us. This could be personally. You could be in just a situation where you need To pray it through, to wrestle with God, and to receive that limp, and and have God make a way for you. And if that's you, then I I'm just going to encourage you to take up that match, Uh, sit with the Lord in prayer, and it might be you know half an hour, it might be an hour, it might be two or three or four hours of Praying and reading scripture and asking God to move and waiting, waiting and pushing and pushing and being persistent until God does move in the situation that you are in. But corporately, I think we could also be doing this. Praying for our church as we're in between what feels like a rock and a hard place with the pandemic that never ends. It just goes on and on, my friends. Uh, it's uh, you know what does the what does the church look like post pandemic in an overcautious Canada? Nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. And so we can wrestle and ask for God's blessing upon us, asking Him to make a way to show us what it means to be His church in this season. That's what we're going to be doing on Thursday at 8. And so again, I'm going to invite you to pray corporately if you're able to, Thursday at 8 o'clock on Google Meet. The link will be on our Facebook page. But you know what? You maybe don't have something that you feel like God's inviting you to wrestle through. And maybe you can't make that 8 o'clock on Thursday prayer meeting. Well, I think you can also wrestle with God for the sake of our city, and asking him to move in our city to cause a, uh, just a, a powerful move of his spirit to bring people towards him and, to, and to, uh, to, to cause an outbreak of his kingdom, I guess I'll put it that way. And so, if you're not feeling personally called into a wrestling match, and if you're not able to make our wrestling match on Thursday, then I'm going to invite you to to wrestle for our city by going on a prayer walk in your neighborhood. And there is a brilliant resource that's been developed by the Greater Ontario House of Prayer, our friends at GoHop, who, uh, that, that, that will walk you through how to go about uh, prayer walk, and it will give you different prompts for things that you see along the way, no matter the neighborhood that you're in. So you can go to our website right now, wentworthbaptist.ca, And there will be a link on the front page to that prayer guide on their website that you can print off or you can use your phone to visit the website to get those prayer prompts on your phone instead. No matter those three of the challenges that you take on, wrestling with God is an invitation, not just into deeper prayer, but into deeper dependence. And it's that deeper dependence that's transformative. And so wherever you are in your life, whatever situations that you are wrestling through and wrestling through with God, may your faith find deeper dependence in God through Christ. And may you wrestle with God and leave not just with a limp, but with his blessing.